0: Good morning, y'all. Thank you, band. Will y'all thank the band one more time for leading us in worship this morning? Man. Thank you, guys. This morning, we're going to be in John chapter 9. If you want to turn there in your copy of God's Word, the words will be on the screen, but I would encourage you to turn there so you can see. One of the things that I most appreciate about the Scripture is that it does not ignore the difficulties of life. It doesn't avoid hard circumstances. It actually addresses them. You know, if you're, if you're trying to sell a car, a used car, or if you're trying to sell a house, uh, when the person comes and looks at it, or a four-wheeler, whatever you're trying to sell, maybe a gun, whatever... The person comes and looks at it, you tell them all the positive things about the house or the car or the gun or the four-wheeler whatever you're trying to sell. You don't tell them that every third crank the truck puffs black smoke. You leave that part out. You don't tell them the roof leaks on the house. You don't tell them there's no insulation in the walls. You just leave that alone because you're trying to sell the house. You're trying to sell the car. You're trying to sell the four-wheeler. Last time I rode that four-wheeler, a wheel fell off. You You don't say that because you're trying to sell something. But God is not trying to sell us anything with his scripture. He's not a salesman. He speaks the truth all the time, even... When it's difficult to hear, even when it's a difficult circumstance, even when it's something hard to understand. I read a study the other day where they asked people the question, if you could ask God one thing, what would you ask Him? And you could probably guess what that question ended up being. Why... Does bad things, why do bad things, I think, happen to good people? Why is there evil in the world? It's the question of evil. It's the question of why we suffer here. But God, in his scripture, does not avoid those difficult circumstances. He addresses them. And this morning we're going to look at one in John chapter 9. The title of the message is Healing Worship. As we continue our series called Unceasing a Study on the Topic of Worship. We're going to dive right in. No fluff this morning. John chapter 9 verse 1. As he was passing by, he saw a man blind from birth. Stop right there for just a second. As he was passing by, he saw a man blind from birth. So he passed by a guy who has never seen anything in his life. And Jesus saw him. But the guy didn't see him. You know why? Because he was blind. Y'all are smart. But Jesus saw him. And y'all... This is a spiritual truth right here. Right, right here, right off the bat. John 9.1, spiritual truth. Nobody sees Jesus. Romans 3.11 says, nobody seeks after God. Nobody seeks after God. Nobody pursues God until God finds them. Jesus saw the man. And before you can see Jesus, he has to see you first. Verse 2. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, Jesus answered. This came about so that God's works might be displayed in him. We must do the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. So Jesus, Jesus sees this man. And the disciples don't see the man. But they see Jesus see the man. You see that? I'm so glad that Jesus sees those that are hurting even when we miss them. But the disciples don't see the man, but they see that Jesus is, is directing his attention toward this blind man that's been blind from birth, and then they ask the question, who sinned? This man or his parents that he was born blind? Now, that's a weird question. Think about it. They asked who sinned to cause this man to be born blind, his parents or him? How did he sin before he was born? Is that not weird? I I looked that up and there was this belief that in, in, in those days that a person could sin even while they were in the womb being made by their mama weird that's what happens when you tinker with the truth of scripture you, you end up with some weird stuff but they ask the question I, I don't know what you think about the question I think it's a little rude like they're probably right there by this guy I mean I would hope I would wait till we got out of earshot like pull Jesus to the side but I don't I don't really mind the question. If I'm walking with Jesus every day, I want to know everything he knows. I want to know everything he knows. Jesus why this? Jesus why this? Jesus why this? I don't mind the question even though it is a little weird to ask in the presence of the guy. Don't do that. Don't say why were you born blind? That's rude. I would want to know, though. But Jesus answers the question in an astounding way. Neither. And this would have blown them away because these people would have believed that if somebody was suffering, it had to be that they had sinned against God because God would never allow anybody to suffer if they weren't sinful. Jesus says, neither. Now Jesus was not saying, listen to me, this is important. Jesus was not saying that sin is not the cause of suffering. We, we suffer today because sin has entered into our world and broken it. But what he was saying is that every circumstance of suffering is not directly related to a specific sin. That's not how it works. Every circumstance of suffering is not directly related to a specific sin. It's important. But... It doesn't, it doesn't do away with, I think I got a better marker, with the question of why. That's a great one. Y'all think I didn't write anything, but you're blind. Anybody can have that. Why? My gift to you for Valentine's. <laughs> why is, is not a bad question, y'all. When, when you walk through difficulty, when you walk through circumstances, um, there is this belief that if we ever say why, we are questioning God and our faith must be weak. But I want you to see what Jesus did with their why. It's what's behind our why that is important. The disciples, the disciples wanted to know the cause. This is what their focus was. Why was he blind? What's the cause? Who caused the blindness? What sin caused the blindness? But Jesus moved them to Purpose. And this is a big deal. They're both the question of why. But Jesus said, if you're over here, Jesus said, I want your why to move from what caused this to how is God going to use this for His purpose. Big time difference. Y'all, if you focus right here, if you live here, you will drive yourself crazy And you will never know fully. But, if I take steps toward what is God wanting to do with this in my life, you may... I can't tell you today all the purposes of of everything that you're walking through, but this is what Jesus did in the scripture. The disciples asked why for the cause, and he answered why For the purpose. Now, I want to ask you this morning, and you can answer me out loud. What are some purposes that God may have for our difficulty that we walk through? What are some What are some purposes? Just think about it. Why would God um, allow us to walk through difficulty? Jesus said, "This man had been blind his entire life from birth because of what is about to happen right now. God will get glory." What are some purposes of our suffering today? What are some purposes of our difficult circumstances? Huh? Growth. Bring us closer to Him. It pushes us into Him. Huh? Yeah. What else? Yeah. What else? What about authority on a subject? Do you know Do you know how to learn how to minister people walking through grief? You get a degree in grief by walking through it yourself. The best ministers to people in grief. I've heard some people say some goofy, ignorant stuff to people walking through grief in that moment. And when you look at their history, they've they've never walked through pain. But when somebody walks through the pain of a loss of a loved one or something like that, that person becomes an authority on grief in the life of other people. You can listen to that person. What else? Huh? Humility. Humility. That's a good one. There's a time in your life where you have had to depend on God. He's all you had. That keeps you humble. What else? Refining. Huh? Refining. Refining. Yeah. What else? Learning to trust him. To trust him. Gratitude. Gratitude. brokenness I came up with 3. I'm glad I had y'all's help. Recovery. Recovery. recovery I want to say along with that compassion. You know when when you see somebody walking down the street and they are, they are messed up with chemicals in their life. If you've never walked through a season in your life where you have been dependent on chemicals, you may look at that person and say, ha, 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 look at that crackhead. But when you have experienced addiction and the chains of it, you don't say that. It breaks you for that person. Sometimes we go through seasons in our life where we struggle and we hurt and it's a difficulty And God gives us compassion for people that are walking through the same thing. The first thing that I want us to see this morning from this passage is cause smothers worship, purpose fuels worship. If you land right here, And that's all you do is focus on why is God doing this to me? Why is God doing this to me? Why is God doing this to me? What did I do to make you do this to me, God? Why am I going through this, God? Why, God? Why, God? God? What's the cause of this, God? What's the cause of this, God? You're going to stay here, and it's going to burn you out spiritually. It smothers your worship. But if you can move to purpose and say, oh, my goodness, I did not understand it when I was walking through it, but look at what God's doing in my life because of it. That makes you want to worship Him. That fuels your worship for Him. You see that He's even good when things are bad. Cause smothers worship, purpose fuels it. The application of that this morning um, it's okay if you're wondering the cause of your circumstances. But don't stay, don't stay there. Don't miss the purpose. The other day, Judd came to us. And he was asking why about his circumstances. Um, first time ever that this has really happened. Uh, Judd's our son that we adopted from China. And he's, he's coming to me and Beth and I'm not going to tell you the details of it to protect his privacy. And I don't want him to think he's going to be a sermon illustration every time he needs to talk to his mom and dad. But he comes to us and he's asking the question, why? Why, why do I have to do all this? Why can't I be like Judd and Selah, or I mean <laughs> Selah and Lainey? And his question was the cause. What caused it? And that's okay If you're walking through grief this morning, if you experienced loss over the past few weeks and you're asking why, what caused that this morning, it's okay, I'm not condemning you. But I do believe my my role as his father is to walk him toward the purpose. Can you imagine the purpose of Judge's story? How that can be used for God? It's okay if you're there this morning but I want to encourage you to take steps toward the purpose this can be anything this can be addiction it can be a certain, a, a certain sin that you struggle with and when you look around at other people you don't see them struggling with it you might say God why do I struggle with this There's a purpose in it. It may be a divorce that you've walked through. God, why'd I have to go through a divorce? By the way, Beth hasn't left me yet. She's going to come back in a few weeks, I think. We're working on it. It can be grief. It's okay to start here. But for your... Your worship to be healing, you're gonna to have to move to purpose. The next thing I want to see, I want us to see in this passage is in the next couple verses in verses six and seven, and that is healing worship involves faith and obedience. Verses six and seven. After he said these things, he spit on the ground, mm. made some mud from his saliva. And spread the mud on the blind man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Salome, which means scent. So he left, washed, and came back seeing. Is that not the weirdest thing you've ever heard in your life? I read that, and I used to be a youth pastor, and I thought, that sounds like a really bad youth minister game. <laughs> Let's see who can make the biggest mud balls from your spit. Who can eat the most frozen Twinkies? You know, that kind of thing. And I know you're asking, why did Jesus make the mud balls? And my thoughts are, I don't know. I don't, I don't understand why Jesus takes this route completely. I did some study. Uh, some of the things I read made really good sense. Some of them were pretty far-fetched. But what I did see is Jesus' invitation, listen to me, Jesus' invitation to involve the blind man in his own healing. Did you hear that? Because let me tell you something about Jesus. Jesus could have lined every soul up, every person up that had any physical disability. All the people that can't walk over here. All the blind people over here. All the people that can't hear over here. He could have lined them all up and he could have spoken the word, be healed. And every one of them would have been healed. He did not need to make a mud ball. The mud ball didn't heal him. Jesus did. He didn't need to do that. But what he did do is he involved this man in his own healing. Do you know what that means for us? It means that sometimes we are walking through this difficulty and we're, we're, we're wallowing in the cause and we're saying, Jesus, will you heal me? And that's all we're doing. And Jesus is saying to us, I'm going to heal you, but I want to involve you in your own healing. Is that making sense to you? There's no doubt who healed this guy. The mud ain't no prescription. Jesus did it, but he involved the man. And it would be like if Jesus spit on the ground, wadded up the mud, shoved it on dude's eyes, and said, go wash in the pool of Siloam, and dude backed up and just stood there with mud on his eyes. And somebody walked up and said, man, why you got dirt on your eyes? Well, Jesus said he was going to heal me. So he put dirt on my eyes and said, go wash. But I was going to give the mud a little more time. That's ignorant. While Jesus is healing you, while you're asking Jesus to heal you, friends, we need to be doing what he tells us to do. And you might find that that's where he heals you. In your obedience. Application simple. You can write it. Be obedient while you're trusting Jesus to heal you. Uh, when, I'm, when I'm in a funk. When I'm in a spiritual funk. One of the best things that I can do. Is go share the gospel. Just go share the gospel. It may not feel right. Um, It's a challenge to me to open up the scripture sometimes and say, let me show you about Jesus and God's word. Sometimes that's a challenge for me even as a preacher. But if I'm in a spiritual spiritual funk, sometimes that's the best thing for me to do. I'm not telling you I always do it. But what I do see is sometimes God uses that in my life. God uses my gospel sharing and he will save somebody and that heals me. Don't just sit and watch for Jesus to heal you. Do what he says while you're asking. He may involve you in the process. Last thing. Our willingness to see is the ceiling for our ability to worship. Verse 8. Let's read it together. We're gonna, this is a long section. I'm going to read fast. It's not going to be a long point. Hang in there. His neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar said, Isn't this the one who used to, be, used to sit begging? Some said he's the one. Others said nobody looks like him. He kept saying, I'm the one. Now you have to, you have to think the reason they noticed that this guy has been healed is because he's celebrating. You don't just go to the p- pool and wash the mud off your eyes and see your reflection for the first time and go, That's cool. He's probably jumping up and down. Oh, my goodness, I can see. First time ever I saw a tree. That was a wrap, wasn't it? Just part of my nature. So they asked him, Then how were your eyes opened? He answered, The man called Jesus made mud, spread it on my eyes, and told me, Go to Siloam and wash. So when I went and washed, I received my sight. Where is he now, they asked. I don't know, he said. They brought the man who used to be blind to the Pharisees. So all this is going on. Nobody can figure out what's happening. So they, somebody says, I know, the Pharisees will know. They're religious leaders. Let's take him to church, and they'll tell us what happened to the guy. The day that Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes was a Sabbath. Uh-oh. Then the Pharisees asked him again how he received his sight. He put mud on my eyes. He told them, I washed, and I can see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God because he doesn't keep the Sabbath. But others were saying, How can a sinful man perform such signs? And there was a division among them. Again they asked the blind man, What do you say about him since he opened your eyes? He's a prophet, he said. The Jews did not believe this about him, that he was blind and received his sight, until they summoned the parents of the one who had received his sight. They asked them, Is this your son, the one who who you... the one?" You say was born blind. How then does he now see? We know this is our son and that he was born blind. His parents answered, but we don't know how he now sees. And we don't know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He's of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they were afraid of the Jews since the Jews had already agreed that if anyone confessed him as the Messiah, he would be banned from the synagogue. This is why his parents said, he's of of age. Ask him. So a second time they summoned the man who had been blind and told him, Give glory to God, we know that this man is a sinner. He answered, Whether or not he's a sinner, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind and now I can see. Then they asked him, What did did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? I already told you, he said, and you didn't listen. Why do you want to hear it again? You don't want to become his disciples too, do you? That's my favorite part. You know somebody was standing over there going, Oh! when he said that (laughs) they ridiculed him you're that man's disciple but we're Moses' disciple we know that God has spoken to Moses but this man we don't know where he's from this is an amazing thing the man told them you don't know where he is from and yet he opened my eyes we know that God doesn't listen to sinners but if anyone is God fearing and does his will he listens to him Throughout history, no one has ever heard of someone opening the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he wouldn't be able to do anything. You were born entirely in sin, they replied. And are you trying to teach us? Then they threw him out. Jesus heard that they had thrown the man out. And when he found him, that's probably really my favorite part. When you get kicked out of relationship, or when you get kicked out of the church, or when you get kicked out of whatever, because of what Jesus has done in your life, I don't know what he was doing that day, but he dropped it and he found the man. He runs to you. Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir, that I may believe in him? He asked. Jesus answered, you've seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. I believe, Lord, he said, and he worshipped him. Jesus said, I came into this world for judgment in order that those who do not see will see and those who do see will become blind. Some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these things and asked him, we aren't blind too, are we? If you were blind, Jesus told them you wouldn't have sin. But now that you say, we see... Your sin remains. What a bunch of chaos over a healing. The whole problem is that Jesus healed the man on the Sabbath. I did some study on that and there are three ways Jesus broke the Sabbath in this healing. You need to know this. One of the things is you couldn't heal on the Sabbath unless it was urgent. But you know who decides what was urgent? The Pharisees. Let me tell you something. Have you all heard of the man cold? When I get that, I need healing. I am a sissy sick. If my nose stops up, somebody heal me. But the Pharisees decided whether your need was urgent or not. Being blind from birth wasn't quite urgent enough. The other thing is Jesus needed the mud on the Sabbath. He he needed it like flour making bread. He worked to make the mud. Remember what we talked about earlier, he didn't have to do that. It was almost as though he was saying, I don't have to do this, but I'm going to do it to address something going on in your heart. And the other thing is, the third thing, on the Sabbath it was Pharisee law that you couldn't walk more than 2,000 cubits. That was your limit for a Sabbath. And where they think his conversation with the blind man happened, putting mud on his eyes, where that happened is about 2005 cubits from the pool of Siloam. It was almost Jesus was saying, Pharisees, religion, religious people, religion people, I'm addressing something going on in your hearts. God established the Sabbath, but it was to say, do you trust me to take care of your needs on this one day? Will you rest? But they had made it a bunch of rules and they had declared that all their rules was, were right and anybody that disagreed with their rules was wrong, even the God of the Sabbath. And friend, listen to me. I see this in our world today so much. It is a chosen blindness. It is a chosen blindness. In that observation, I talked about your willingness to see. I'm not saying you need 20 vision about all things God, all things Jesus. But are you willing to see? Are you willing to be an open book and say, Jesus, anything you need to address in me, you are able. You, you do what you want in me. Or are you saying, Jesus, I like you, but I know this is right no matter what you say? It is a most dangerous, toxic attitude. For a believer. Most of the time it's painted with God's stuff. It's littered with Bible verses. But it is a chosen blindness. It is why. this, This is all over our history. It is why knights went and killed people. To find a cup that Jesus drank out of, it is why in Nazi Germany, the churches there justified with scripture the killing of god 's people. It is why cults like the Ku Klux Klan would pray for the protection of God while they went out and massacred people made in God's image. It is a chosen blindness. And it will destroy you spiritually. And we do it all the time. Can you see? I want to I want to finish with that. Can you see? Do you want to? Do you want all the things of Christianity or do you want the Christ of Christianity? Can you see? Are you willing to see? There's one more thing I have to show you. You gotta see this. It's two, it's real quick. Stay with me. It's two verses out of what we just read. I need you to see something. The first one's John seven John nine seven. Jesus has just put mud on his eyes and he says, Go, he told him, Wash in the pool of Siloam. Which means sent. When you see something like that. Like parentheses in God's word. There's something important about that. It's different. There's something important about that. Which means sent. The author. This is not a commentary. This is the author John. Saying. I need to clarify that Siloam means sent. Next verse. Verse 32. This is the man talking to the Pharisees about his recovery. He says, throughout history, no one has ever heard of someone opening the eyes of a person born blind. He says, in all of history, this has never happened before. Somebody's born blind, they stay blind until they die. Never happened before. Now I want you to see a couple verses. From an author hundreds of years before this happened, Isaiah. Say to the cowardly, be strong, do not fear. Here is your God. Vengeance is coming. God's retribution is coming. He will save you. This is talking about a sent person. Kind of like Siloam. Next verse. Verse 5. Then... The eyes of the blind will be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Isaiah was saying, the, the Holy Spirit through Isaiah was saying, this is, this is a sign for you. You will know that this is the sent one when you start seeing people that were blind see. John 9 is Jesus saying, I'm him. Can you see? The blind, my, the blind man simply embraced Jesus' healing of him. You, you read his responses, and all, he's saying, All I know, guys, I don't, I don't know about what all you're talking about. All I know is I was blind. Dude, put some dirt on my face, and now I can see. That's all I know. I don't know what you're talking about with Sabbath and law. and All, the, all I know is I was blind, now I see. That's all I know. Everyone else jumbled it up and complicated a simple truth that Jesus gave sight to the blind. And today you can can trust Jesus, you can surrender to Jesus in this room and you can walk out those doors and a chaotic world will meet you there. And they will say... Um, what about your past? What about your addiction? What about your alcoholism? What about all your marriages? What about all your divorces? Um, what about your, your porn issue? What about uh, your relationship issue? What about your finances? They're bad. What about your finances? They're good, and this is going to affect that. What about that church up there? Is that a Baptist church? Is it a Southern Baptist church? Is it a missionary Baptist church? Is it a Pentecostal church? Is it a Catholic church? Is it a Methodist church? Is it Church of Christ? Is it Church of God? Is it Church of God in Christ? What about that pastor up there? Don't wear a suit. Why don't he wear a tie? Why does one pastor got a lot of hair, a little beard? The other pastor got a little hair, a lot of beard. Why does that one pastor ride a motorcycle? And that other pastor says, yes sir, or... No, that's Sam Pittman. That other pastor says, that's right. Why do they let women baptize? Why do they let women baptize? Why do they let women lead music? Why does he wear a Yankees hat? hat? And you can say in response to that, I don't know. But what I do know is because of Jesus, and only because of Jesus, I was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. And for today, for this minute, for this second, and for all eternity, if you know that, that is enough. Do you hear me? You don't have to know all that other stuff. Are you pre-trip, mid-trip, post-trip? What do you think about the doctrine of election? That's, That's all confusion that we don't know. But there is one thing that we can. And it's simple. But it's profound. Can you see? I'm talking about really see. If you want to walk out of here... With that one correct answer today, I can't help you with all that. I don't know why we do some of the stuff we do. I don't know what we are all the time. But I was blind and now I see. If you want to walk out of here with that truth, I can't help you with all the other stuff. But if you want to walk out of here with that truth today, I can help you. We're going to sing one more song. I'm going to go out in the lobby. And if you want to visit about that, come see me. Father, thank you for being so good to us. Thank you for seeing us before we can ever see at all. I pray for every person in this room. God, if we have all the right answers to all that other mumbo-jumbo, that's great. But really, it don't matter. But if we answer that right... It matters for eternity. Will you eliminate any willing blindness from our eyes? Will you help us see? I think if we see you, things are going to be different. Maybe there's mud going on some eyes this morning. Would you give them also the courage to go wash? Have your way. In Jesus' name, amen.